0: Uh, close talkers. How many of you have found yourself backed up against a wall with a close talker? You might have started off in the middle of the room, but then before you know it, there is nowhere else to go. If that person is next to you right now... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> now, the, kind of the issue with the close talker, you've heard the, the phrase uh, personal space. We all kind of have our this this invisible distance that we're comfortable with. And if anyone moves in closer than than that into our personal space, it's kind of an encroachment. And it it could be uh, something that makes us feel threatened, or it could just be something that makes us feel uncomfortable. I would say that was a great example of uncomfortable. Um, But uh, as I was thinking about this, what if God prefers for us to be close talkers with him. What if if we moved in close to him, he didn't take a step back. In fact, he would take even a closer step in towards us. Well, over the the past few weeks, um the uh we've been walking through the 10 commandments and uh, today I want to kind of this will be kind of a summary and a wrap-up to um to what we what we've been doing. The, we've covered most of the Ten Commandments. And so I was invited to cover the remaining commandments that we haven't touched on, which were murder, stealing, and adultery, which I just want to say thank you for those of you that chose all the other ones. Um, and so let me kind of summarize those three: murder, stealing, and um and adultery. Don't. Okay? So now that we've finished our study on the 10 commandments, um no, what I want us to do is we're going to look at a passage that uh, this an, an encounter that took place right after the giving of the 10 commandments. It's in Exodus 20 along with the other commandments that we've been looking at. But I want us to uh, to realize that right after this monumental event the, the 10 commandments are given to God's people, then we read this and try and just imagine yourself in this setting. Uh, Beginning in verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. The people remained at a distance. They basically were saying, um, not only do we not want to draw close to God to talk, actually, Moses, could you just do the talking with God and communicate it? They, they kind of ask Moses to be this surrogate communicator on God's behalf. And so God has this amazing encounter. He loves his people. He's given them the Ten Commandments. And the first thing they do is pull back away from him. And I wonder, as I read this passage, I wonder if God looked at their response and said, oh, dang it, that's just the opposite of what I was hoping for. Really what I wanted is for us to be closer And I wonder if we do our own version of the same. Is God calling us to be close to him? I mean, we sing that song, draw me close, but can we be honest, sometimes we have limits on that closeness? Draw me, you know, kind of close to you, God. (laughs) I don't know if I'm quite ready, for that. but see, what God is saying is if we aren't drawing close to him, then we've, we've totally missed the point of why he gave us these commandments in the first place. And I wonder if we prefer God at a distance. I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm not saying that you don't believe in Him. But could it be that we're just more comfortable with God at a distance? Let me give you some examples. Would we rather spend our day listening to podcasts on the run rather than drawing close to God through reading and studying the Bible ourselves, taking time to be still And letting God's word confront us and soak in. Are we willing to be touched by God? Or is that an invasion of our personal space? Do we prefer God at a distance? And by that I mean that we might be okay with an intellectual knowledge of God, but we maintain an emotional and personal distance. We're okay with being informed, but just don't expect me to become involved. That's just a little too close. Are we okay with observing God from afar because subconsciously we know that at His feet requires submission? Do we date God online by reading Christian blog posts but then nitpick and come up with reasons why we are not willing to meet Him in real life? As I mentioned, though, some of you are like, ooh, boy, Gary was away for seven weeks and he came back a little angry. (laughs) Um, I think if we lived our lives perfectly, but we didn't draw close to God, we've missed the point. He desires a close relationship with us, and that's kind of what we're going to look at over uh, just these next few minutes. Again, this this passage takes place right after the giving of the Ten Commandments, and the people pull away from these commandments and from God, but what if the commandments are actually a loving pathway that lead us into God's presence? What if instead of seeing it as a list of do's and don'ts, what if it was actually um, this freshly paved road that enables us to run to him instead of keeping our distance from him? See, in the very beginning, God had an ideal life, For us. And when I say in the very beginning, I'm talking Genesis beginning. In the beginning, God had an ideal life for all of creation, and He placed Adam and Eve in a garden named Eden. And that was the world as God always wanted it to be. It was more than just a beautiful plot of land, this was the way that God wanted to relate to His creations the way he wanted his creations to relate to him, the way he wanted his creations to relate to one another. This was the world as God always wanted it to be. It was a purely enjoyable and fulfilling life as close talkers. Without any threat, without any discomfort, they were with one another. But then, from this ideal world... We don't get very far until Genesis chapter 3, and we get to the less than ideal. There came a moment when Adam and Eve acted as though God was holding out on them. You see, God had blessed them and given them all of this. He explains it. He says, I give you this whole garden, but there's this one tree that you are not to partake of. And this thought goes through their mind I wonder what life could be like if I had that one fruit. What if God has been holding out on me? What if life is pretty good, but it could be even better if I did things my way? And so that first sin, eating that forbidden fruit, was committed under the false belief that the life they were living was not all that it should be or could be. And so partaking of that fruit was the one thing that was keeping them, so they thought, from a truly great life and we're a lot like Adam and Eve, you could say that every sin we commit is based on that same fallacy. I believe there is a way of living that's better than the way of life God has for me. And the Ten Commandments, what they do is they pull us back in the direction of the way that God really wants us to live and to enjoy life. It's the way that God always wanted life to be, but we're inclined to think that God is holding out on us. That if we could just do this one thing, then life would be good. And just to use some examples from the Ten Commandments, this is, this is kind of how we, we think, okay, the life that God has for me is good, but if I could do this, it would be better. Um, sometimes we think life would be good if we made more money by working seven days a week. Or if we had what our neighbor has. Or if we swindle and cheat our way to the life that we want. Or we choose sex with someone else's spouse. Or we murder people with slanderous words. We believe that God has been holding out on us. So we choose an action that we think will make our life better. And all of these actions begin with the subtle temptation. Maybe God's way of doing life isn't as eden as I thought it was going to be. God wants me to enjoy life. So why wouldn't I be allowed to include this one tree, this one fruit of my choosing to make life a little bit more enjoyable, or at least just this one time at the point of their sin, Adam and Eve found themselves distanced From God. After this account in Genesis 3, we see that they went and they hid themselves. There was what was this beautiful ideal relationship of close talkers. Now they're off and they're hiding. Um, the, what sin does is sin separates. Sin distances us from God. It distances us from the ideal life that God has for us. Life and the world as God would want it to be. And when we think about it like this, we're not punished by our sins as much as we're punished for our sins. In other words, because of taking things into our own hands, because of a poor choice that we make, we find ourselves separated from God. And isn't that in and of itself, that distance that we have between God and us, isn't that punishment enough? because of these choices. And God's not an I told you so God who kind of smirks when we get what we deserve. Instead, he is a God, what we see painted in, in scripture is this God who longs to be connected with us and he's heartbroken when we're not as close to him, when we find ourselves separated from him. And so after Adam and Eve find themselves distanced, separated from God, We read this really insightful question. It tells us so much. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? In other words, God is pursuing them in their hiddenness. God um, is separated and distanced from them, but he is is making his way towards them. He is kind of saying, this is the life that we used to have. This is the life that I created you for, but you're not where you used to be. Where are you? So what does God's where are you question teach us? It teaches us that God is not holding out on us, that he wants to hold on to us. It teaches us that when we are distanced from God, his plan still hasn't changed. He wants us with him. He wants to hold on to us. Now, can we admit that with the commandments and the rules, that it seems a little strict that if we would just break one rule, that we're suddenly banished, separated, distanced from God. Um, I don't know about you, but I tend to find myself kind of saying, Okay, um, I messed up. I can sense this distance between God and I. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to really try harder to keep your commandments and rules. And I hope that God accepts me back. And we find ourselves on this. Um, But I want us to see it always, our step back towards God always begins with grace. You see, before Adam and Eve could deserve life in the garden, they were given life in the garden. Before they proved themselves to God, God blessed them with the garden. And what we see in this passage in Exodus 20 is a reminder, again, of God's grace page after page. If you turn your Bible one page at a time, you will find God's grace exemplified on every every page. But in Exodus 20 verse 2, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Is this before or after he gives the Ten Commandments? Here's a, here's a tip, before. <laughs> okay. He's given them this. He says this. He doesn't just say this before he gives them the Ten Commandments. He is reminding them that he is a God of grace. And the sequence of these events is very significant because he didn't say when they were in slavery, hey, here's Ten Commandments, and if you can keep them, then I'm going to set you free. He set them free from slavery, and then he gave them these commandments, as a way for them to continue to live closely with him. Freedom began when God gave them himself. And what would keep them close is just this continual walk of of appreciating this relationship with him. Kyle talked a lot about this last week, if you want to go back and catch it. But this, this freedom that we experience is because God has offered it to us, out of grace. Now, I want to illustrate what it looks like if our entire focus becomes the commandments and the rules, and and how difficult it can be if we think that we can earn our way back into God's presence. Because it begins with God's grace. It always begins with God's grace. So, um, all right. Tammy and Armand, you should have never sat on the uh, end of the uh, of the pew. Here we go. You're going to help me with an illustration. Is that okay? No. Okay. All right. What I have written here on this piece of paper that I'm going to show you is a command. Okay. That I would like for you to obey. It's it's simple. Um, it's it's easy for you to do. It's not going to be embarrassing like what we're doing right now is, yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not something that you can't do, okay? I know you can, in fact, anyone in this room can do what is what is written on here. I just need to hear you say that you will do what is written on this piece of paper. You'll commit to that commandment. And just trust me, this is not going to be something bizarre, okay? Yep, okay, good. Way to go along with it, all right? <laughs> so I'm going to show you what it is, and I just need you to obey it. And they've already broken the command. Because it says, do not look at this paper. So even though they had really good intentions, they start off by disobeying. Thank you. Um, this is the guy that I know. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we're all kind of like that. We, I mean, don't we wake up in the morning thinking, my intention is to do good? You know? And so we have this one command. And this command, do not look at this paper, for example, is... You ever notice it? Okay. You can't see what he's doing right now, but he's like looking at the ceiling. He's, he's, he's trying to, okay. So right now, what are you consumed with? You're consumed with, uh, with me and my, <laughs> he's consumed with me in his face. I'm a little nervous at this point, actually. Have you ever noticed that when we, when we say, um, okay, I am never again going to fill in the blank because it's that one thing that we, we keep getting tripped up by? Have you ever noticed that it seems like it's always in your face? And so then our whole focus becomes just trying not to do that. And we're we're trying to figure out, you know, how can I redirect my gaze? So it was a great example. Thank you. And be nice to me afterwards, all right? <laughs> so if we're focused always on if I can just keep these commandments then I've earned what I... a You see It changes things. Instead of beginning with these commandments, what if we began with God? What if we began specifically with God's love for us? Because when we begin with God, it purifies our motives so that we do obey, but it's out of appreciation rather than obligation. So how about this? Instead of don't look at this, what if this was the command that God has for us? Remember me. God says, remember me, the God of grace. Remember me, the one who loves you, who has chosen you, who has already set you free. Remember the God of grace who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Remember the God who will never hold out on you. Remember the God who is always holding on to you. So many of us begin with a self-determined push to not break the rules when it actually begins with accepting God's grace. Now, this doesn't mean that we ignore the commands. This doesn't mean that, um, that we can just forget about all the rules. What this means is our focus is on what God has already done for us. And again, when our focus is on what God has done for us, we find ourselves wanting to obey. We find ourselves doing what is right out of appreciation rather than obligation. For those of you that, that use these uh, sermon discussion notes that are in your bulletin, the one we were looking at from last week um, as we gathered in the Joseph's home, um, it was last week was, have no no idols before me. And one of the conclusions that somebody in our group drew was, you know, would we even need these Ten Commandments if we just love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? If we were just really consumed with this love that God has for us, this God of grace, that would really take care of a lot of these do's and don'ts. Again, I think these commandments are just a pathway for us. That um, once we have encountered God in his grace, we realize these are gifts for us to draw closer to him. God wants to talk to you. He wants to hear from you just as he used to with Adam and Eve. But instead, as we see in um, Exodus 20, we have these people that are kind of saying, No, Moses, we don't want to speak to God directly. Do not have God speak to us. There was a time when God walked with Adam and Eve, and it's described as this walk in the garden in the cool of the evening. They were with one another, and from there we had fallen to this. They remained at a distance is what we read in Exodus 20. It's just the opposite of what God wanted and what the commandments were meant to lead to. Verse 21, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. As I was reflecting on this, um, that phrase, thick darkness, really jumped out at me. Um, It was something that um, I just kind of got this visual picture. And um, as I was thinking through all that was taking place in that passage... It was kind of like behind them were all these examples of the great things that God had done. And in front of them, though, is this thick darkness. And I equated that to anything that out of fear keeps us from taking a step forward. That thick darkness could be um, a, a troubled relationship that you're in. And you've, the thick darkness is the fact that you, you need to have that really difficult conversation to restore unity. It could be um, the thick darkness of circumstances, just maybe something that you were born into, maybe because of choices you've made. These are the circumstances of your life right now. And you look at that thick darkness and you're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Maybe your thick darkness um, has to do with just uncertainties. Maybe you gave your life to God because you were looking for some guarantees and some certainties and life has been nothing but curveballs and thick darkness and you're like, "What? this isn't what I bargained for. And out of fear, we pull back from those uncertainties. Now, as I reflect on this verse, I was struck with, with this thought. Um, even if I successfully keep every commandment, Even if I follow all the rules, I'm still going to have seasons marked by thick darkness. You ever thought about that? Even if you do things the right way every time, you realize there's still going to be difficulties in life. Jesus put it this way. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we might come to him and think, this is our, okay, I'm, I'm tired of all these thick clouds of darkness. That's why I'm giving my life to you, only to find out that we still have thick darkness. And so if we have thick darkness, even when we obey all the rules, then why bother? Why bother keeping all the commandments if life is still going to be difficult? The reason is because God is in the thick darkness. God is in the thick darkness. And God's goal all along was for us to be close to him. Moses approached the thick darkness, which is what? It's where God was. God is in your thick darkness. He's in my thick darkness. God is even in my thick-headedness. But that's a whole nother sermon that we can get to at another time. God is present in all of those moments that we fearfully withdraw from. And when we find ourselves facing a thick darkness, that may be when we are most tempted to think God is holding out on us. We can't see him or hear him or figure, maybe he's just forgotten about me. And so that's when we consider forbidden fruit. What else would make life just a little bit better right now? What could make me enjoy life a little bit more so that I don't have to go into that thick darkness? And when we bite into that forbidden fruit, God's not punishing us for breaking a commandment. We find ourselves punished by the fact that we broke that commandment. We find ourselves even further distanced from God, separation. We're separated from God, and we're separated from the world that he ideally has for us. It could be that your first step towards the thick darkness is a step of repentance. It's just acknowledging um, the forbidden fruit that you have chosen out of desperation instead of following God out of appreciation. It's just acknowledging, yeah, God, there... I've been making some decisions lately where I've kind of taken the enjoyment of my life into my own hands instead of trusting you with that. And as we walk into that thick darkness with true repentance and we can confess our sins, what we find is that God is waiting for us in the midst of that. And we see that He's not been holding out on us, that even in that thick darkness, we can experience God. And he's not there to shame us. He's there to hold on to us. It's another picture of grace. God wants to be with you. God v- invites us into his personal space. And he's not uncomfortable with you being a close talker. He's kind of it, It's like he's saying, you don't have to get the breath mint of perfect actions before you move in close. I'm telling you, just move in close. I love you as you are. Let me love you. He wants to be with us. And the Bible, all throughout the Bible, talks about God wanting to be with us. Does that blow you away like it does me? I know what I'm like on a daily basis. It amazes me sometimes that God still wants to be with me I want to read through some of these verses. You can try and uh, write down uh, references if you want, but you don't have to. It's in your bulletin notes. But these are all verses that have to do with just reminding us God wants to be with us. There were two of them that jumped out at me in Genesis um, 1 in chapter 26 and 1 in chapter 31. To Isaac, God says, stay in this land for a while and I will be with you. To Jacob, he says, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. And I highlight these two verses, and I put them together on the screens because I want you to see that whether you stay or whether you go, God is going to be with you. I don't know what your next step is. Maybe it's just to stay put where you are. Maybe it is God's calling you to something. I want you to know that God will be with you. In Exodus 3, he says to Moses... At a time when he was very nervous about what God had called him to do. And God said to Moses, I will be with you. Joshua follows Moses as the leader of these great people. He's got to fill Moses' shoes. And he is a nervous wreck about it. God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. David says in psalm twenty three he understands thick darkness, and he says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He finds God in the thick darkness in first kings, we read, May the Lord our God be with us, as He was with our ancestors, in other words, what God has been doing for people he wants to continue to do, and he wants to do it for you, with you. Two verses in Isaiah one. Uh, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, just in case we didn't understand that God wants to be with us, listen to the name God gave Jesus, his son, in Matthew 1. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Paul writes a letter to the Colossians, and he's describing to them, um, he doesn't use these exact words, but he's talking about no longer choosing the forbidden fruit. He's basically saying to them, um, die to your pursuit of forbidden fruit. And he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In John 14, at this time when, when Jesus and his closest friends are about to say goodbye to each other. In other words, the disciples sense that they are going to be left alone. Jesus says, no, that's not what's going to happen. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And then to a confessing thief calling on God's grace at the last minute. We read this in Luke. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In Matthew 28, the closing promise that he gave his disciples before he returned to his Father in heaven, surely I am with you always to the end of the age. God wants more than anything to be with you. In his grace, he invites you in Close I ask you to bow your heads. The worship team is going to make their way up and just with your with your eyes closed to kind of maybe hopefully that will help you eliminate some distractions. Um, when you think about where you are right now in your spiritual journey, just in your journey through life. Um, do you sense that there is distance between you and God? And maybe you can kind of think back to another time in your life when you felt like you were closer to God than you are now. If that's the case, what's brought about that, that sense of distance between you and God? As we've been talking about, the, the first step back to him is not excusing what you've been doing, It's not beating yourself up and saying, God, I'm going to try harder. Listen to him say this to you. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of slavery. I'm the Lord, your God, who loves you with an unending grace. Now, I want you to put yourself in in Moses' shoes in this passage that we've been looking at. Behind you are those examples of God's grace, the way that he's freed you, perhaps, from that land of slavery. It was by God's grace that he parted the waters and provided a way for Moses and the people to continue on. Behind you are examples of God's grace. Yet ahead of you, right in front of you, is a thick darkness. What is that thick darkness? What's the fear that drives you back away from that thick darkness? I want to tell you something that I know about that thick darkness in front of you. Within that thick darkness is your next opportunity to be with God. In that thick darkness is your next and best opportunity for you to reconnect with this God of grace. Heavenly Father, we remember you. We remember all you have done, your grace shown to us, and we approach you to be with you even in times of thick darkness. It's in your name I pray, amen.